So I'm with Glenn Maranker. Um, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon. It's a delight to have you uh, here in Minneapolis on the campus of the university. We've had some, some great times together over the last uh, few days um, in conjunction with an exhibition that you and your wife, Kathy, put together called Sherlock Holmes in 221 Objects. Where did the idea for that originate? Well, the idea to do uh, an exhibition at all uh, actually uh, came about some years ago when the uh, Grow the Club board was, was uh, visiting in San Francisco and they came and they paid Kathy and I a visit and visited and we of course spent the bulk of the time in the library uh, uh, looking at books and uh, Bruce Crawford mm -hmm. uh, said well this is great you have to bring this to the Grolier Club and so the idea of putting on an exhibition at all uh, was his really mm -hmm. uh, his, his impetus and uh, we got started working on it Oh, gee, about the beginning of the pandemic. You've been collecting, take a step back, for? 1976, so that's so about 40s. Bicentennial. Yes, easy, it's, it's, easy, it's easy for me to remember uh, because of that. That's, uh, it's also when Kathy and I were married, so it's also easy for me to remember our anniversary. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, that's, so that's uh, what, 24, that's uh, 46 years. What got you going? What was the spark? Well, actually, it was uh, a gift from Kathy. Um, I had already evinced uh, uh, quite an interest in Sherlock, uh, but it was the stories, it was the character, it was the uh, Victorian age. Uh, I fell in love with the stories. I had chanced upon uh, uh, these groups of uh, like-minded folks who had got together uh, with uh, some frequency called, you know, Sherlockians or Baker Street Irregulars, <laughs> found them, you know, bright, passionate, engaging, and so I, you know, basically fell in with a bad lot. <laughs> and and uh, but it was not, uh, but I was not a collector. Uh, I, you know, my my uh, Sherlock Holmes library consisted of the two-volume Doubleday. And uh, I was uh, in grad school. Kathy and I were recently married. I was home some Saturday working on my thesis, no doubt grumbling away. <laughs> Kathy uh, decided to go out for a walk. And she comes back from the walk and says, I brought you a present to cheer you up. And she hands me this uh, American first edition of the casebook of Sherlock Holmes, which and I, uh, a light bulb went off. I, I looked at this book and I looked at Kathy and I said, you don't have to be J.P. Morgan to collect books? Uh, this was a revelation to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, she shared how she had by chance uh, 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 came upon a small antiquarian book fair in the basement of the Gutman Library at Harvard. And I said, wow, well, is it, does it open tomorrow? Can we go tomorrow? <laughs> and you know, being Sunday, I was skeptical. But no, as, 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 we, as most people who uh, collect books know, uh, Saturday, Sunday is a pretty typical uh, uh, run for a uh, 
book show. Mm -hmm. And so we went the next day, and she uh, brings me up to the very table where she had acquired the book. It was uh, one of the, the in the stall of a um, antiquarian bookseller named Peter Stern, whose name is probably familiar to many of the folks. Uh, so the pr uh, preeminent dealer in uh, detective fiction and Sherlock Holmes. And also at the table uh, at the same time was a fellow named Dan Poznanski, who uh, introduced himself. And uh, there has been no greater collector of Sherlock than, than Dan. Mm -hmm. Might have his equal, I'm skeptical, but certainly no greater. And so I met these two, uh, two gentlemen at the very, very beginning. Uh, they proved to be extraordinarily generous with their time and knowledge and cemented my uh, gentle madness. <laughs> Generosity seems to be one of the threads of what it means to be a collector. How would, how would you define who is a collector or what is a collector? That's a good and a difficult question, but certainly um, I think that uh, a collector has to have a uh, passion and curiosity uh, for some particular area of, uh, of history, information, literature, and, I, and uh, do good, intel you know, good do intellectual work in that, in that area, you know, finding things that are uh, meaningful, that, that go together, that tell a story. Um, and I think collectors also need to uh, keep in mind that we're mere custodians of these objects. Um, they're only ours for as long as we live, and they're going to go someplace else. And so, uh, one, taking proper care of them, and uh, two, uh, being active, being generous, and sharing what you what you find, what you know, what you learn. I don't. I, I, that's such a rewarding activity. I, I can't imagine a collector not not active actively doing that. Yeah, we are thrilled beyond. I I, I can't even find the words. Uh, how excited I am uh, that we'll have 221 objects. Uh, and that was that was uh, a bit of. Um, I won't say a struggle. Uh, it was a joy for you to go through your collection and pick those things out. The first step was actually to uh, check on the exhibition space and guess as to you know how many items uh, could be uh, uh, attractively displayed, and uh, it came to you know about two hundred. And, you know, Holmes and Watson having shared rooms at 221B Baker Street, then, of <laughs> course, the number had to be 221. I did contemplate for a while sawing some item in half and making it Sherlock Holmes and 221B items, but I, I decided in the end not to do that. Um, so that's, that's how 221 came about. And then it was very important to me to tell uh, a, a story, to have the exhibition tell uh, a story or two ab about uh, publication history, about the uh, uh, birthing and, and creation and, and life of uh, these stories, and not to be a uh, uh, too superficial, broad-brushed 
these are these are some in, you know interesting Sherlock Holmes books, and and so it was it was apparent that the uh, uh, scope had to somehow be limited, and uh, basically arbitrarily settled on the um, stories from the very first Sherlock Holmes stories through the publication of the Return. About it finished around 1908, and uh, that was a I, th I thought it particularly fascinating. It, it was not the whole uh, period of the creation of the Sherlock Holmes stories. That, that went on to uh, the late 20s. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a particularly interesting one, scan uh, covering from the you know, very first Holmes story uh, through his uh, uh, apparent return from the dead in uh, the collection of short stories known as The Return. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of that time frame, we also have your very favorite, and many people's very favorite Sherlock Holmes story. My absolute favorite story is The Hound of the Baskervilles. I think it's, uh, it's uh, unbelievably atmospheric. The mystery itself is fascinating. Uh, Conan Doyle's uh, skill at telling a tale and, and conjuring up a time and a place and a feel is, is remarkable. And it, uh, is remarkable overall, and is and is no better done in any of his writing than it is in the Hound. Yeah. So uh, uh, the Hound prominently fe features. Uh, the Hound uh, is in fact uh, the start, so to speak, of the layout. And I wanted to do that because I I, I wanted to be respectful of the uh, uh, people that I hoped would actually come and see the exhibit, and and I. I expected that uh, not all of them would be uh, Sherlock Holmes scholars. Mm -hmm. And so I thought an inviting and gentle way to bring them into the exhibition would be to start with the Hound, uh, because it's, uh, it's, it's familiar to almost everybody on the planet. Right, yeah. And you give us the Hound in the UK, you give us the Hound in the United States, and you also give us something that's so well known to so many people in the same space that you give us something that most of us had never ever seen before. An amazing multi-page manuscript that I sat in front of. It was at the far end of the room as I remember in the Grolier Club. That's actually one of my favorite items. Uh, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle uh, gave a speech at the uh, Authors, Authors Club, Club in London in uh, June of 1895. He had become uh, sort of the, de the recognized de facto leader, uh, certainly of the uh, younger authors. Um, and uh, he was uh, asked to give a talk. And he uh, assembled this talk called The uh, Work of Literature. And uh, in a, in, a, in a sentence or two, it is a wonderful speech. It really shows Arthur Conan Doyle's character, his good nature, his uh, somewhat self-effacing humor, uh, and, and his uh, attitude and aspirations about uh, the work that, that he and his fellow uh, authors did. So the speech, uh, as I said, was delivered in, in, in 95 and uh, reported on the newspapers as uh, uh, club activities typically were, 
and uh, then it just sort of disappeared. And uh, it uh, showed up uh, at an auction in uh, Sotheby's in 2004, and I was able to add it to my high collection. It changed uh, direction just a little mm -hmm. bit. Speech has uh, uh, several particular uh, uh, phrases, insights into which, which I particularly like. Uh, towards the beginning, Conan Doyle remarks that um, he would like to say that he was led into the field of letters by a cheering ambition, but I fear it is uh, more correct to say I was led in by a, I was driven in by a howling creditor. Uh, and then later on in the speech, uh, he says, I have been uh, much abraded for having killed Sherlock Holmes. This is 1895. Holmes apparently met his demise in 1893 uh, in, the, in the case The Final Problem, toppling over Reichenbach Falls in the arms of his arch nemesis, Professor James Moriarty. <laughs> of evil repute. Uh, of, ev of evil memory. memory yes. <laughs> and um, uh, so it was, he was apparently gone. And uh, Conan Doyle says that uh, I've been much uh, upbraided for having put that gentleman to death but I claim it was just a justifiable homicide in self-defense, for if I had not killed him, he would have killed me. There are any number of references uh, in his letters, in his autobiography, in this, in this speech, that Conan Doyle d did not want to spend his time, creative energy, emotional energy, on this guy, Sherlock Holmes. He had other aspirations for his literary endeavors. He wanted to write historical novels. He wanted to write Gothic novels, but he didn't want to write Sherlock Holmes stories. And he makes it painfully clear. And again, I can't tell you how excited I am that Minnesota is hosting Sherlock Holmes in 20, 220 well, objects. Well, uh, Minnesota is a f absolutely fabulous, fabulous, in, in my view, an absolutely fabulous venue. I mean, not only uh, is the um, uh, Sherlockian, Do the Doylean collection here preeminent, uh, but you have the uh, Norwegian explorers here, one of the oldest Science. science societies, uh, and in my opinion, one of the uh, having it has one of the most distinguished publication histories. It's not only long, but and I don't mean any disrespect but it's uh, atypically good in the, <laughs> in the space of Sherlockian critical literature. Glenn, it's great to have you here. Thank you for this time. Thank you. I'm most pleased to be here.